0: Today on The Breakdown, it must be hard to be Luke Greenwood sometimes. Everyone's all, Sam, this, Sam, that. Oh, Sam won another high roller. Oh, Sam's one of the best players in the world. Sam, Sam, Sam. You're walking down you know, the, the hallway in the Rio and someone from behind is like, hey, hey, Greenwood. And you turn around and they're like, oh, and they look disappointed because they realize you're not Sam. And this is Luke Greenwood's life at least some of the time, Right. Everyone's like, oh, he's the brother of the guy. And in fairness to Luke, he's been on the circuit too for a really long time. He's also been very successful. Okay, not as successful as Sam Greenwood, but who can say they have been? Almost no one has been. Anyway, Luke Greenwood, he's not just nobody though. He's going to play in a $250,000 buy-in event, which just happened, by the way, earlier this year, pre-pandemic. It was the Sochi Super High Roller Bowl. And he's going to be involved in a hand against Timothy Adams, where I will say some surprising things happen and some not so surprising things happen. If you know Timothy Adams at all, we're going to get into all of that right now on the breakdown with Grant Denison and Jonathan. <laughs> hey, yes, first time, no
1: rehearsal. I say, fuck the
0: second take. Well, wow. you really uh. Break
1: hammering home the Luke Greenwood is not Sam Greenwood
0: thing, huh? I mean, I got to have a new opening. i I'm just looking for an angle here, bro. You want me to say, oh my God, they're playing for such big stakes. They're good players. You we want, you want just keep saying the same thing every time. Well, yeah, <laughs>
1: people like repetition. Um, but I think you got a little bit of that story that you made up wrong. I think uh, when people think he's Sam Greenwood from behind in in the Rio and he turns around, they still think he's Sam Greenwood a lot of the time.
0: (laughs) No, That's actually a really good point.
1: Like They're pretty similar looking.
0: Oh, that would have have made a better opening too. People come up to him and start talking to him as if he's Sam.
1: Oh God, that actually happens for sure all the time.
0: It happens multiple times a day when he's like at the World Series of Poker. People who know them both probably do that a little bit, (laughs) let alone people who don't know him at all, you know, and just, but know of Sam. Oh man, asking for, oh, asking for autographs, he's like, you know, I'm Luke, right? And they're like, what? Yeah, just sign it here, Sam. <laughs> you know, and then he signs Luke Greenwood and maybe he signs it in a way that's a little incomprehensible so they think it's Sam so he doesn't have to deal with it. You know, sometimes he probably writes Luke Greenwood and they can tell and they get upset. They're like, why the hell did you just deface my shirt, bro? You know, it, there's a whole thing going on there, man. Yes, there is a thing going on. Oh, you, uh, don't want, you don't want to go any further with that bit? You're done with that bit? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, because I'm onto something new here. Which what is, are you going uh, to? Comparing Luke and Sam. Oh, okay. That. So Luke, oh, uh, Luke is no no slouch. His Hendon is not bad. He's got 4.7 million in live earnings. He's
0: 278th in the all-time money list. I mean, for most people in the world, that's pretty awesome, right? You're like four million in earnings. Get the hell out of my way and lick my feet while well, I whatever I say. But when you're in the Sam Greenwood, uh, when you're going to Thanksgiving at the Greenwoods, everyone's like, Luke's the fuck up. <laughs> Luke's the one who sucks you know I mean it just it's rough is there a third Greenwood brother by the way
1: I think there is I don't know what his name is
0: yeah yeah it's probably like Han Han, Han. Greenwood yeah
1: <laughs> like Han Solo
0: sure there's Luke and Sam I mean that fits perfectly with the Star Wars thing right
1: yes it does um, <laughs> anyway Sam Greenwood's Hendon Mob yeah 22.3 million in earnings. How much? 23rd, 23rd all time.
0: What, what's the amount?
1: 22.3 million.
0: I would have thought it would be higher. I would that have is, also, actually. You I would have guessed bigger. it was like 40.
1: His biggest cash is still $1.8 which is, you know, that's a big oh. cash, but you, I would have guessed higher for that as well for Sam Greenwood.
0: So you're telling me, if Luke can just win this event, this current event that we're talking about right now, the Sochi 250K Super High Roller Bowl, which, by the way, first place is $3.6 million. Second place, he doesn't even have to win $2.4 million. He will be he'll be like, I had the best day in the history of the Greenwoods. If he yes, can just I, finish second in this event. I guess that, right. that is That's why he's playing. He's playing for that for that Thanksgiving moment where he just like looks at Sam and he's like,
1: I think, uh, I think young Luke has taken a shot here. Actually. I think this might be the biggest buy-in he's played. And hmm. you could see if you look at his Hendon that days earlier, he got third in the 50 K high roller, which he does play 50 Ks.
0: Um, yeah.
1: But it looks like that's kind of the perfect amount. He won like 337 k He's Like, eh, might as well try to parlay it. You know,
0: I'm sure he has some backing too. Yeah. Right. But he's like put up more of his money than normal. It must be nice, though, because he I assume he's able to talk poker with Sam on a regular basis. So he has sort of a built-in advantage, you know, that where he feels like he has a way to be. He isn't just sort of like taking a shot and feeling like like the guy who's like, I did well, so I'm just going to play this tougher thing. Like, he, he actually knows who these players are, probably knows their strengths and weaknesses, and understands what Sam is doing, I would guess. And has, right, like, it's more of Sam. a threat.
1: You probably talk to Sam before entering it and be like, do you think this is a good idea? Like, do you right. think that this field is beatable for me? And, you know, like... Right.
0: And Sam, and Sam, maybe Sam's like, ha ha ha, you just had a nice win, but I'll talk you into losing a lot of money right now. And no one will ever think you're me again. <laughs> Mom will think I'm the greatest. I don't know. Who knows how these, things. I mean, that must be
1: like jokes aside. That must be kind of awkward. They have the same profession and one is so much more successful.
0: It's- I mean, hello, the, the Manning household, every Thanksgiving, you got Eli, you got Peyton, you got Cooper. Eli's so lucky he won those two Super Bowls where <laughs> his team won like nine games each year. Otherwise, he would be the absolute he's already, he's the runt anyway of the family.
1: Right. But know? he but he has those Super Bowls and he can like he can lean on that. Whereas in poker, there's a very direct just one number for total live earnings for
0: poker. sure. But but Sam can I'm sorry, Luke can be like four million dollars, not bad, right? Yeah. It isn't like, like if Eli, Eli may make the hall of fame or he may not. If Eli doesn't make the hall of fame, Peyton's going to be like, well, I'm a first ballot hall of famer and considered by many to be one of the best, if not the best quarterback of all time. Who are you? You're my little brother who kind of sucks and is a little dumb, but was good on Saturday night live that time, but not as good as me. That's well, who you was, are. Peyton was definitely better on Saturday night live as well. Eli was surprisingly good, but still, of course he but, was.
1: But the Peyton Saturday night live is a classic.
0: I mean, the truth is, and this is sucks. And this is the point. Peyton is better than Eli at everything. And that just sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's just how it is. Maybe Eli's slightly better looking, but I think he would trade. Peyton's so famous, it doesn't even matter anyway. Right. Like, Peyton's like, I get anyone I feel like. I'm Peyton freaking Manning over here.
1: All right. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to move along. Uh, this hand was suggested by Brian Sika on Twitter. Nice. Brian usually would want to include a youtube link and a timestamp but this is a poker go hand they don't put their stuff on youtube not much of it at least so we had to include a poker go link that's fine too they don't allow timestamping because they're miles behind youtube and technology but that's okay too because you just told us when the hand occurred in the video if you want to suggest a hand for the breakdown include a youtube link and a timestamp or a poker go link and the time that the, the hand happens and maybe we'll do it we're the poker guys on twitter
0: we do things like that, you know. We break down hands based on people's suggestions. That's that's sort of who we are.
1: You know what is a strange coincidence is that that's exactly what we're about to do, and you just brought it up.
0: Yeah, it's weird. How did you know? Well, I'm aware of the coincidence, and it is a coincidence. It's I don't not, believe in coincidences. It's not kismet. It's coincidence.
1: Don't you love it when people say that? I don't believe in
0: coincidences. Yeah, there are no coincidences. Like. Come on, (laughs) like clearly everyone, including you thinks there's coincidences, right? There's way too many like coincidences in the world that like you could say like maybe some things are there's a there's an unseen hand guiding things, but certainly not at all things. Oh, we both we both brought grilled cheese for lunch today. That's not a coincidence. I
1: don't believe in coincidences. (laughs) Oh, the stock market went up the same day that the tree in my yard fell over. Tell me that's a coincidence.
0: Like, right. yeah. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, don't say that. If you want to sound stupid. All <laughs> yeah, right, so. we,
0: we really don't respect people who say that. <laughs> not, not as an overarching thing, anyway.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to the hand. So, we are on day two of this 250K. I believe we're, we have two tables because we're seven handed at this table. Yeah. But we're not close to the money or anything. It doesn't seem like based on all of the research we've done in preparation yes. for this podcast.
0: Only six players get paid. And a lot of the players who got paid are not at this table. So Yeah, so we think the there's, table.
1: there's either 13, 14, or 15 players remaining in the tournament. Yeah. Um, and it's going to start with Timothy Adams, who up until this point in his career has always kind of been the bridesmaid, never the bride. Get a lot of second places in these high rollers, but you don't hear about him winning too
0: often, you know? No, you do not ever hear about him winning. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he, he's successful,
1: true. though. That's the good thing about poker tournaments. You don't have to get first to be successful.
0: I mean, when we say successful, what we mean is... His Hendon is, he's, he's made a lot of money in Hendon. We actually don't know how successful he is, really. Sure,
1: but if I were to guess, I would guess yeah. Timothy
0: Adams is making money in poker. Me too, me too. Just saying, it's yeah, hard to yeah. know. These things are all hidden from us, man.
1: That's true. I mean, and many of you make a good point because we do bring up like total live earnings as a metric. It's not a good metric because, of course, buy-ins are different and it, you might have more total live buy-ins than total live earnings. So, sure, that is always a possibility, but... Timothy Adams is a pro. He's, he's been doing yeah. it for
0: years. We I, think he's pretty good, probably. It seems very likely he's making money.
1: Yes. So he's got 376K, which is 37.6 big blinds because we're at 10K big blind. Under the mm-hmm. gun, seven-handed. He's going to make it 11K with Queen of Spades, Jack of Diamonds. Slightly loose, even for seven-handed under the gun, but yeah. he just wants to play a lot of hands.
0: If you think you're better than some of the other players at the table, that's fine, right? I mean, there's a carry uh, cast at useful. this table. Who is? Harry Katz. That's already pretty good reason.
1: He probably thinks he's better than Luke Greenwood.
0: Yeah, uh, he, he probably is better than Luke Greenwood.
1: Yeah, the problem is the big blind is probably the guy who's better than him. It's Jason Kuhn.
0: Well, he's going to have position on him the whole way and have a major range advantage assuming Kuhn calls, right? True. So That's good.
1: All right, so he's got the queen jack off. He opens 11K under the gun. Our boy Luke, he's in the small blind with ace-king. Ace of spades, king of hearts. He's the effective stack in the hand with 315k. What is your plan of action,
0: Jonathan? I mean, I would think my plan of action is to three-bet the hand and go with it. Five-bet all in? That's my immediate plan of action. Five-bet all in? Um... Well, what how many blinds do we have here? Hold on. We have too many blinds for this. We have sixty oh, sixty some odd blinds, right? Oh,
1: you're right. I am You said
0: thirty. That threw me off. You know what? I was thinking
1: I, I did some bad math. I was thinking it was ten K big blind. It's actually five K big blind.
0: Yeah, that really changes things. It absolutely um I still does. I still would be three betting this though. I wouldn't really think about Doing anything but three betting this.
1: Really? You wouldn't think about doing anything but three betting. Fine.
0: I would consider not three betting it once in a very, very rarely I would not three bet it. Almost always I would three bet this hand in this spot. We're seven handed. Come on. Like, let's let's do this. (laughs) Right. Like this is one of those opportunities that you get in tournaments where it's like, oh, I have a really good hand that can withstand a lot of heat in this at this time. You know, and often in poker that doesn't last. You know, for the for the whole hand.
1: Are we going with it for sixty three blinds effective against Tim Adams? I mean, against the general poker playing population, obviously you should not go with it. But against Timothy Adams, should you?
0: I think probably in these events, most of the players you do have to just go with it. I think sixty blinds is fine to get in.
1: So you make it something like forty k. If Adams makes it one hundred and twenty k, you just move in.
0: Yep, and hope he has Ace Five, or you win the flip. Hope it's a flip and you win. Yeah. Like Adams probably isn't folding Queens if he's gonna forbid it. Right. So you're just like, you know, there's an opportunity to like, you know, get a lot of chips in this tournament. That's cool. Well,
1: I'm gonna be an elite negotiator right now and make you argue against yourself. Jonathan, okay. what are what are some benefits of just calling with Ace King out of the small blind in this season? There
0: are there are a few clear benefits. Number one, it's almost impossible to put Mr. Greenwood on Ace King if he calls from the small blind. We give him a particular range that's not part of the range usually, right? it's it's much more like suited broadway suited connectors medium pocket pairs things like that or really just pocket pairs in general i guess it could be but like those are the hands you think of maybe uh a few king queens in the world but like those are, you just ace king is a hand you just aren't ever going to put them on so that's pretty cool there's some value there for sure um another really good thing about it is that we are sort of at weird stack depths for this where like it does sort of suck to get sixty some odd blinds in with Ace King. You're almost never in great shape. Like rarely are you gonna be up against a worse ace, you know, if you're getting sixty some odd blinds and called, you know. So
1: if you're the one getting called, I think against a good player, right.
0: it's almost impossible for it to be right. against a worse ace. Exactly. You need to you need to induce. Um, you need to be so the problem is we make it forty K. If he four bets, we're probably five betting to a to an amount that like he four bets to 110 let's say
1: if he's going going smallish he'll go 110
0: well the thing is because we only have 315k he may not want to four bet to a third of our stack where he feels like he has to call off Um, or maybe he can just fold anyway if it's a bad ace he can just do it and make it obvious he's calling and then fold yeah
1: if you have a terrible hand and like icm would demand to fold anyway
0: yeah okay fair enough there are we are really far away from icm but but I hear it, but a terrible hand is fair enough. Um, what
1: I'm saying is it's not pure chip EV, even though it's far away from actual payouts because your sure. survival is important and you have a lot of blinds left and maneuverability.
0: It seems just like a really dumb way to, to blow up your stack. Like there's just no need to, to really go crazy here. Yeah. Yeah. You have ace five suited and you four bet and you get five bet all in, you just have to fold. So this is one of the downsides is like, yeah, when you're, if you're the one five betting all in, which we would be as Luke Greenwood, that um, when called, we're up against, we're at, we're at best losing a flip. We're at, best, we're at best, sorry, behind in a flip right now, right? Right,
1: we want, we want to have 46% when we get called, basically.
0: Right, and we just, so, so it's, not, it's not, that part is down. That's a down thing. The other really good thing about um, just calling here is we can induce a squeeze sometimes from the big blind, Jason Kuhn. If he decides to raise, well, he's never going to think we have, a, well, he can think we have a hand that can call, but is really going to think we have a hand that is strong enough to actually put pressure on him back later later on, you know? Yeah. Like, he raises... Tim Adams does anything but um four-bet. We can be the one putting in a raise now. Like, yeah. that's pretty cool, too.
1: And if Tim Adams does four-bet, we can probably just fold, actually.
0: I think we probably just fold. Yeah. We're, we're like, cool, we lost two blinds somehow. What a yeah. miracle. Hopefully... I mean, hopefully it isn't just everyone's bluffing like crazy and we could have picked up a pot, but it's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so those are all good things, for sure.
1: Right. And whether or not it's a good decision... It's going to create interesting dynamics in the hand post flop. If like the flop is going to be when Tim Adams has Queen Jack and and Sam Green or not Sam Luke Greenwood, I I even did the people the thing wow. that people do, and Luke Greenwood has Ace King. The range advantages that everybody perceives are going to be opposite, and that's going to make things weird and interesting.
0: I mean, it's not really the range. It's not the range. It's the hands specifically. The ranges are probably not so different. The the perception.
1: Well, no, well, when when certain boards come out. The idea of who has a range advantage
0: will be incorrect. Basically, I disagree with you. It's not you're you're. I think you're misusing the term range advantage. Um, like Tim Adams still has a range advantage. He just doesn't have a hand advantage, right? Like his current hand is a good yeah, advantage. Okay. His overall range is still stronger.
1: Right, right. Okay, that is correct. I what yeah, I mean so like an,
0: on an ace king board, even though Luke is going to have top two, clearly Tim has a range advantage, right? Yes. Cool, cool. Yes.
1: What I yeah on okay on boards that Tim thinks that he has a range advantage. He will not on boards
0: that Luke thinks agree. <laughs> uh, he will, he, he not, will have a range advantage. Yes. He just won't have a hand. He just won't have the advantage in this yes, current hand. Yes.
1: yes. I keep missing saying that part, but
0: yeah, I, I, you're sort of shortcutting it. Yeah. So it's sort of, you use ICM the same way where you use ICM just to mean, you know, there's money at some point in the future. And so like we have to, our chips aren't always worth just the chip EV, even though ICM is really mean something much more specific than that, you know?
1: I actually disagree with that part. I, I think you're right about how I'm misusing range advantage, but ICM is a factor at all points in a tournament. It just is magnified okay, extensively fair at, at different fair points. Enough. And all right. I, it is correct to use it at a point that's far away from the money when you're describing the survival in the tournament being worth money.
0: Okay, since I already conceded the point, let's move on.
1: <laughs> I wasn't arguing with you. I was doing that for the audience.
0: Oh, okay. You know what? That's very nice. This is a
1: podcast that the audience listens to. I
0: forgot. I forgot there was anyone listening. I was just doing (laughs) my thing over here.
1: All right. Anyway, Luke Greenwood has a clear range advantage in all spots, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) No, he doesn't. (laughs) No, but he has a hand you wouldn't expect. And when Tim Adams thinks that's my board, guess what? Luke Greenwood may have hit it.
0: That is correct. I yeah. mean, that's one of the, that's one of the cool things when we're talking about calling and the deception factor, this is exactly that deception factor, right? Which is sweet.
1: That is correct. We like deception in poker. It's a game yeah. of deception. It is. Oh, I think
0: receive. I like, I watched, uh, another one of the inside of the mind of a pros and it was Mustafa Kanet, And, uh, it was pretty good. Actually, it wasn't as good as some of the other ones. He often contradicts himself. He'll say well, he's going to do one thing and then do the opposite. So it's a little weird. But one of the things he talks about is like constantly trying against the really good players. He's playing a 10K6 max World Series event. So he's up against a lot of good players. Is just doing things they don't expect and can't. So that way they can never reasonably range him. So he's constantly like making weird checks that like you just wouldn't think he's going to do. Like he checks the flush on the flop. He makes the flush on the turn. He checks it again. You know, and it's like weird, weird stuff. He's keeping the pot way smaller than you'd expect. He's th- There are three or four ways he's still doing this. And uh, there's something like really interesting about that. So that way it just, you just never know what to do with him because he's just not predictable and he's not easy to read. And there's some, that's, this is a little bit of that by calling here on the small blind with Ace King.
1: So, some, so that's something like not the same, but akin to the Jesse Sylvia final table strategy that Vanessa Selps made for him to like do the opposite of what your people think you're supposed to do on each board?
0: I think so. I think that was probably some of the beginnings of like this thing where the good players are trying to just do stuff that confuses the other good players, which is really what you're supposed to do, right?
1: Yeah. Speaking of players who do that, maybe Luke is learning from Sam in that way because there is that hand with Sam and Stephen Chidwick where Sam calls with the nut fluster on the turn where you're never supposed to call mathematically, but he like wants to be able to show up with that hand in his range.
0: Yeah. Right, and also he knows that like if, if the flush were to come in, he's getting all the rest of the chips because Chibwick's always going to rep it if Chibwick doesn't have anything anyway. Like If, right. if Chibwick's bluffing, yeah.
1: So, I mean, we're giving Luke a lot of credit for deception here when like it's not so crazy on unstandard to flat ace king out of the small blind at these stacked depths when under the gun opens. It's not insane at all.
0: It's not insane. You usually would expect um, it to be not the small blind and more someone in position, though. Like right. out of position, you're going to expect to see a three bet more of the time. I would think. And usually you're going to see a three bet anyway with ace King seven handed just period.
1: Right. And here's another problem with just flatting here is the best player at the table is in the big blind, Jason Kuhn. Yeah. Probably the best player at the table. And he's got 10, three of hearts of course would fold if Luke had three bet, but now he's forced to call for six K more. He's got 444 K
0: in front of him. I mean, that's a major downside. There are other downsides. That is a massive one though, for sure.
1: Yeah. Now you're up against probably the two best players at the table
0: and we're going to be out of position, the of whole position hand both to both of them. them. Yeah, It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's rough. And yeah, like this is one of those spots where like, I would want to uh, lower the stack-to-pot ratio so the decisions are easier. The decisions are harder now. And we're out of position against, as you said, the two best players at the table. That all sucks. That's why three betting just seems like why you'd almost always want to do it in this spot.
1: Well, With there's also game. the out of getting a flop where it's really easy to make
0: decisions. That would be nice. Yes. I mean, they we're often going to get pretty straightforward flops with this hand. Well, that is true.
1: Luke's going to get a nice easy flop for his hand. 38K oh, okay. in the pot. Luke with Ace King. The flop is Ace of Diamonds, Nine of Diamonds, Five of Hearts. That's kind of exactly what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. Um. It felt, it's almost too good. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it might Adams be is hard gonna, to get action.
1: Adams is either going to have a weaker Ace a lot of the time and feel good about it or take a shot because he's supposed to on this yes. board. Yes.
0: That is that is really true. Like we're getting a C bet from Adams almost always, right? Um, it would be really
1: weird to lead, right, on this board.
0: Yep, so, super yeah. weird. It seems crazy to lead. Well, he does not. Yeah,
1: thankfully. Good.
0: I don't know what happens, by the way. Except I know, I know only the brush strokes, the big, the big stuff. I don't know the small stuff. So. Yeah, we
1: have to, we have to keep Jonathan outside of the minutia, or his mind
0: will explode. Yeah, I can't keep track, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jason Kuhn's going to check. He's pretty much done with a hand unless he somehow backdoors a miracle or something. Yeah. Um, Adams is going to see bet. Do you think there's any reason not to? He has queen Queen jack high, by the way.
0: I think he 100% should see bet this board. I yeah. don't think there's any good reasons. Kuhn's folding all the time, it feels like, and Adams is going to have a huge amount of folds too. Adams is going to have some king queens he's going to call with. Maybe he's, if he has diamonds, he can call. I assume you mean Greenwood every time you say Adams. At this I point. sure do. Yeah. Every time. See, there's that minutia getting in the way. <laughs> um, yeah, Greenwood's, Greenwood's going to have some calls for sure, but he's going to have a lot of faults. If he has like two eights, which is a very reasonable hand for him to be calling with in a small blind, the hand we'd more expect him to call with, the hands like that. These are just faults, right? You just yep. have to fault.
1: Yep, basically. I mean,
0: you don't have to, but you should. You're just losing too often, and you're not going to be able to play this hand well. Two eights. Two sevens, two sixes. They're, they're, it feels like just such a straightforward bet. And also, as Adams, we have a gut shot to the nuts. No, we do not. No, we do not. It's ace nine five. We right. do not have a gut shot to nuts. We have back doors to, to the nuts. <laughs>
1: we have a backdoor straight draw and a backdoor jack high flush draw for like the floss thin rip cord for the hand, just in case.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this he feels does like bet. super straightforward.
1: He does bet. He bets 23K. Sure. All right we can start to to wonder now what Greenwood's best course of action is. I think it's default should be called, but should we should explore the idea of raising it at the very least. Um, Okay. I would frame the reason that I asked this question and do we have raises on this board? And if so, what are they?
0: We do have raises on this board. Right. I think we, I think if we have two fives and two nines, we're going to raise those some of the time.
1: And if we, also have flush draws and some gut shots maybe on this board.
0: The, the, the most obvious uh, flush draws that we could be raising are the 5X of diamonds and like the 6, 7 of diamonds, the 7, 6 of diamonds, and the uh, 7, 8 of diamonds, I guess, right? Those are like the three most clear raises. Yeah. As, as that are not made hands.
1: And you think we're just calling with all their diamond draws?
0: I mean, pr- we're probably not raising the 5x of diamonds, right? No.
1: What about the king 10 of
0: diamonds? Uh, how much did he bet on the flop? 23k? Yeah. I mean, we should... Pr- probably we need to have a few more raises, actually, because we have... Our value is just... There's just not very much value.
1: Right. That's why that's why I'm asking the question, should we consider raising ace-king, a hand that is of high value on this board, one you wouldn't even expect us to show up with too often? If we're going to... If we're going to have raises at all, I feel like maybe we should be considering including this hand.
0: Um, I think we should consider it. The problem is I think we need more bluffs. We have to have more bluffs than what we just enumerated to be able to raise Ace-King.
1: Well, we could we could raise all of the diamond draws that we show up with here.
0: That's probably too many, so that's good. Yeah, we can, we can figure out some amount of diamond draws, though. Yeah. Um, there's pretty much no straight draws for us to do. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it, really, right? We could there's have like else. our,
1: our most pure, like worst hand bluffs be like the six, seven and seven, eight of hearts. Those can be.
0: Yes. Our big, those are. Bluffs. Okay. Yes. There's a, f- so the, we could, we could raise the gut shots that are, that are misses for diamonds also. The, that are, have, sorry, that back, are su- the suited non-diamond gutters.
1: Well, I was thinking just the hearts because they have the backdoor flush draw as like the extra. Oh,
0: that's nice. That's attitude. better. Yeah. That's yeah. better. So we do some of that. We, maybe we, we throw in a few more diamonds also. I mean, I'd like to be able to raise Ace-King here sometimes. Like, I mean, here's the question if we raise Ace-King. Like, it's easy with almost all these other hands because we know what to do right away, right? Let's say we, we decide to raise Ace-King here, just from a planning point of view. So Adams is 23. We make it 60. Sure. 65, whatever, something like that. And Adams doesn't fold and doesn't call <laughs> Adams makes it hundred and 148. Like what's our plan?
1: Probably go with it against this guy.
0: It seems crazy to raise this hand and fold it. Right. Yeah. And so this is where like, I worry a little bit about getting it in ranges, you know, like we need him to be bluffing basically at some point. Or maybe he can have Ace Queen, but he's never going to re-raise Ace Queen. No, he's not. And that's he's going to go call, why, call call.
1: That's why it feels non-standard to raise this hand because yeah. seven or eight years ago, good players, the majority of good players weren't thinking about having a perfectly balanced combinatorial bluff and value range. So that wasn't a factor, and they were thinking about okay, what are the what's the game tree looking like when I raise, and what yeah. are the outcomes? And the outcomes for Ace King are not ideal. Like so, the the reasons to raise would be combinatorial balance, basically.
0: Right. Um, here's another reason not to race. So before uh, I knew anything about this thing, because I, I knew things about this thing before we started this podcast, we talked a little bit about what happens. Uh, I said to you, you said Tim Adams is in it. And I said, oh, so is he going to go for one of those massive over bets on the river? And you're like, I don't know yet. I'm like, I bet he does. And so Tim Adams has a reputation among us, which means he must have a reputation among us all the high roller players of doing these just crazy overbets, insane overbets, And our experience anyways, that he often, that he's not really balanced there. Maybe he is. Cause we haven't seen enough hands, but he's often going to put in a huge bet. Not often, but he's, he's going to do that sometimes. Right. Uh, that's another reason to call and actually let him like give him as much rope as possible because he's at least capable of putting in a massive bet.
1: Yep. I agree. I think, The practical outcomes for raising are not as good as the practical outcomes for calling. What we're really hoping, if we raise, is that Adams has ace, queen, or ace, jack, and decides it's too good to fold, and we can get more streets of value that way than by check calling and letting him check back on one street or choose the sizing.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I don't think if he has ace, queen, he's gonna check back. If assuming the board runs out clean, he's probably gonna go for three streets and try and get value from a worse ace. Maybe the same with ace, jack.
1: I don't know about that three streets with ace jack seems ambitious seems unlikely. if he had ace
0: i mean if he had ace king he would go for three streets right yeah so i mean ace queen practically plays the same as ace ace king like it's not really you you wouldn't assume you're up against ace king almost ever
1: well there's so, a reason the hands are ranked differently because you don't know exactly what the other guy has like
0: of course but i'm saying if you're sitting there in your atoms you're gonna think this okay well i'm you have ace queen you're like cool, so worst case, I'm chopping here. So I'm going to go for value because he could get value from the worst hands. And maybe you think, like, maybe not worst case, but in almost every case, when he's got an ace, he almost never has ace-kings. He's got a lot more ace-jacks, a lot more ace-10 suiteds than he does ace-kings. Like, and I would expect Adams to go for three streets on clean runouts.
1: Right, but even if, even if that's the case, you experience yeah. linear growth in your value that you get if you raise here. Like, serious linear growth where you... Like so you make it 60 K. Now he calls with ace queen. He's probably calling down on clean runouts.
0: Probably. Pro- it, dep- it depends on what he knows about us and what a rep is also. Right. But probably he's calling down. I mean, it looks, when we do this, it looks like we have a set of nines or a diamond draw. Right. Yeah. Pretty much always. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing. Um, some guys, the only way to get value is to check call. You know what I mean? It's just to keep checking because they're going to get away. Like so many of the players it used to be, I remember when Matt Matros, friend of the podcast, uh, triple bracelet winner, Matt Matros. uh, Back in the day, he used to say to me, uh, boy, these guys, and he met like all the tournament regs and pros and stuff like that. It's like, they'll bet anything and they'll call nothing. They just will never call. So like the thing you, he never said this part, but the thing you don't want to do is like be aggressive. Very often when you have it, you give them as much rope as possible. You Things know. have changed since then, though. Like, sure. People are sure. calling a lot more. People are calling more than they used to, for sure. But, like, when the small blind check raises on this board, <laughs> it gets... Fra- I mean, Ace Queen is just a bluff catcher, and it knows it right away, you know? Yeah. It's going to have to call for at least one street, probably the turn, and sometimes the river, but you-, you may not get value anyway, is what I'm saying, against Ace Queen. It's possible you can get away from Ace Queen a fair amount. So it's
1: It's possible. I mean, it's... It's tough. Like, this is a problem with having just called preflop right now yeah.
0: on this board is we don't
1: get to, to decide how, much, how many chips go in on each street now, which yeah. kind of sucks. Uh, of course, at this point, it looks like we're going to get a lot more value than we would have had we three bet.
0: I mean, we can also pay attention to sizing down the road and, like, decide to try and raise later. But I think it's even harder to get value on a raise down, further in the hand, like on the turn of the river, if we check raise then. Like, yep. we're going to scare those, the ace jacks and the ace queens of the world even more.
1: Right. It's just tough to f- find a way to get value out of position in a spot like this. And yeah, I do default towards calling. I, I, I don't advocate a raise here. I just wanted to explore it because it seems like a really good hand.
0: <laughs> you know, it and, does. I mean, I think the, the crazier image, the better a raise is, you know? Yeah. So like, if you're the more, Michael the the Mizrahi,
1: more you should probably raise. If what? If you're Michael Mizraki, you should probably raise.
0: Absolutely. Right. And if you Michael raise, you go with he... it.
1: And if Michael Mizraki is sitting in Tim Adams' seat, you should never
0: raise him if you have Ace-King in this spot. You should always just call, right? Right, to let him just go nuts. Although, yeah, because he's the guy who'll just be like, he might put you on diamonds and just lose his mind, but mostly he's going to get out of the way. This is the class. Mizra- is a perfect example of like, he'll bet anything but call almost nothing, right? Like, right.
1: And combinatorially, is going to have like jack-eight offsuit and shit like right. that here.
0: So like, he's not going to have enough value to call. It's so good when you're up against a guy like that and they have a range advantage, but you actually have, you have a really good hand. Yeah. You know, and to like let them do their thing.
1: I don't know if they, they know they have
0: a range advantage. advantage.
1: If they're Michael Mizraki, I think they think they always have a range <laughs> advantage.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, Mizraki never has a range advantage. That's true. But like on an ace high board, Mizraki's like, well, I have a lot more ace king than you do because you have none. He might think to himself, I have pocket aces. You don't. I have an upper bound advantage at least. But you're right. Mizraki can't have a range advantage against anyone ever.
1: <laughs> pretty much anyway, Luke Greenwood decides just to call seems right to me. I 95 like nine it. five two diamond
0: board. He's got ace King, no diamonds, but this is the kind of spot as someone personally who calls a lot in the big blind in tournaments with ace King, instead of re-raising when it's heads up. Um, I often find myself where I flop top pair and I'm in an interesting spot of like, do I want to raise or not? You know, well, what do I want sometimes
1: to do? you have a really easy decision based on your opponent. Yes. This yeah. is not that time. Tim Adams is too good to have an easy decision against ever, pretty
0: much. hmm Yeah. Unless I agree. Have, like the nuts, and he moves in on you, then it's an easy decision. But, but, but overall, I think it's a call. I like a call.
1: I do, too. Jason Kuhn gets out of the way. He folds. The okay. The pot is now 84K. And let's talk about Nitrogen Sports, Jonathan, because uh, they sponsor the podcast.
0: Yeah, they're the guys who make the podcast happen, along with you guys and us guys. It's a group effort.
1: It is but, a group effort. And we all do takes, different. It takes a group to play a poker tournament, and Nitrogen Sports offers the greatest poker tournament that continues to happen over and over and over again that I've ever heard of. And you have to use the link in the description of this podcast to enter that tournament, Jonathan. Tell them about the tournament,
0: Jonathan. Well, it is the greatest iterated value in poker, Grant, as you were clumsily trying to say <laughs> a second ago. I don't yes, think it, was it is. Uh,
1: I think it was really, it
0: was kind of like folksy. Sure. Folksy. That's a good term. I like that. So, um, they of course guarantee a thousand buy-ins. It's a 0.1 millibit buy-in, which these days is like 75 cents as we're recording this podcast. Anyway, uh, they guarantee a thousand buy-ins. They never, we've never gotten even 200 people. I think in the tournament ever, we've had like 170, 180 players max, something like that. So it means that even when we max out this tournament in terms of players, you're still getting like five to one on your money basically. It's an insane value. You're crazy not to play it, but you have to use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen to even have access to that tournament, to even see it exists in the tournament lobby. It just won't be there for you otherwise. Nitrogen is great for many reasons, not just that tournament. They pay out in 90 minutes. It is industry leading in every way. They, um, they have sports betting. They've got casino games. They're rock solid. They've been around for years. Nothing to worry about there. They yeah. rock.
1: Get on there. Use the link. Okay. I'm sure Timothy Adams and Luke Greenwood did, and they're heading to the turn with the pot of 84K. Adams yeah. sitting there with Queen Jack High with the Jack of Diamonds for the backdoor fluster on the Ace of Diamonds, Nine of Diamonds, Five of Hearts board. Greenwood has the under-repped Ace King with no diamond.
0: So if you're Adams, you're thinking something like, okay, what are the cards I'm continuing on on the turn, right?
1: Well... A lot of cards, I think. Yeah. Like, uh, we have to get Greenwood off of the nine ten suiteds of the world and the 5-6 suiteds of the world that he's going to call on the flop, right?
0: Um, sure, but are we going to do it with no equity? That's my question. Like, right. so, like, he, Adams has the Jack of Diamonds in his hand. He's got Queen Jack. So, he's got some diamonds. He can, he can turn diamond draws or straight draws.
1: Right. I think so, he should. Let's, let's talk about the cards he yeah.
0: should not bet on.
1: I don't think you should bet on
0: any board pairing card. Right. That seems reasonable to me.
1: I don't think you should bet on any seven through Jack, basically. Okay. I think that those are two pair makers for Greenwood and sometimes straight makers.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But other than that, I think you can bet most cards. Like I think you You want to bet a,
0: you want to bet a queen?
1: No, not a queen.
0: Yeah, I don't think you should bet a queen either.
1: I think think you can bet the Deuce of Spades, though. I think you can bet innocuous cards like Hmm. that.
0: Like, yeah, just to try and put pressure. Yeah.
1: Just based on the position. The range advantage. The range advantage, yeah. Yeah. Positions. So, yeah, so I think you can bet a lot of cards, but there are cards you shouldn't. What do you think? Do you agree with my general assessment there?
0: I would be more apt to give up on more cards than you would here and I and I so my I would think I'd only want to be betting turns where I pick up some kind of equity because there while Greenwood definitely has some hands we can get him off of he also some hands he's going to probably hold on for a while with IE aces and so it'd be nice to like if, if we're betting all the innocuous cards every time against these kinds of players I just worry that they're gonna we're gonna have too many bluffs um It's interesting we're we're
1: approaching it from such different angles because I'm trying to figure out cards where Greenwood is less likely to continue calling and you're trying to figure out cards where you build equity, which are both valid things to be doing, but they contradict each other here because you want to bet tens and eights and hands like and cards like that. And I really don't want to bet those cards.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. Um, But yeah, I think that that's right. We're coming from different places. I yeah uh, I, I feel like we want to have some kind of something going on besides just it's a it's a card that doesn't change anything you know it's the deuce of spades uh, I'd be concerned about that that uh like because it's a card that doesn't change anything maybe Luke's gonna call he's gonna keep calling a lot I mean we are under the gun that's good
1: I mean it, like good players like Luke Greenwood are gonna have card like not changing anything is not a, a reason that good players use to continue calling like it's maybe it helps them continue calling in some spots but they won't say that categorically means i'm going to continue calling
0: of course it doesn't but any kind of reasonable player in this spot is going to call with 70 percent of the hands he called with on the flop give or take right yeah and so that that's a percentage that is basically unbreakable like you can't really you you can't get him off it just you know if he's calling with that percentage trying to bluff too much is not going to work and so like just picking cards randomly often isn't good enough. Randomly is not fair. You, you're not talking about picking him randomly. But that's often, that's often not enough. And I, I just worry that then we're going to just be over-bluffing. Although if you're, not, if you're not picking cards, that you're, maybe, maybe it's okay if you're picking the Deuce of Spades instead of like the 10 of X, yeah. right? where we suddenly turn open-ended and I absolutely want to bet the 10 and you don't. Maybe, maybe it all works out.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, like it, I like it better the opposite way. Um, hmm. Also, I don't like the idea that Luke Greenwood is this perfect 70% bot who's going to make these calls I think if anything he's going to be the opposite this is like a huge buy in for him
0: well we don't know how much of it he paid and he did just win this he did just yeah. win this money we don't we don't really know his financial situation so it's hard to know um True. if you think he's going to overfold then you can bluff more for sure but i don't know really one way or the other what he's going to do i don't know enough about luke greenwood's game and so i would assume some some equilibrium thing i would really want to bet a 10 i got to tell you i understand 9 10 makes two pair and but also, like I want to sometimes get him to fold and sometimes build a pot for when I get there, and it's hard to see. Like a ten feels like a real, a very, a card I absolutely want to bet.
1: I mean, I kind of want to bet that too. I want to bet a lot of cards.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you. I. I think I'm. I'm concerned anyway that you're, that this tactic is going to just have too many bluffs and that this doesn't work against these kinds of players. Like too many bluffs mostly doesn't work. And if you pick a guy, it works against great. But that they're pretty cally now, you know, like especially when they're in check-call mode. They like to like give a lot of rope and I don't know. I, I would just be worried about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like
1: if Greenwood has ace-10 and the deuce of spades comes and we bet again, maybe he'll call, but
0: he'll definitely folding, call.
1: He's probably folding the river if we keep going.
0: Um, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing on the river. But, so now, but this is also sort of problematic. We like took a hand where we bet two blinds pre-flop and we bet four, five blinds on the flop. We still have 70 blinds. And now we're talking about triple barreling just because. I know it's not exactly just because, but like we're trying to get him off like near the top of his range. A-10 is close to the top of his range, right? Maybe not by the end. It depends how the board runs out. But like, that just seems like optimistic. And I don't know why, we, why we're trying to do that. You just made my
1: argument for me inadvertently by saying Ace Ten is close to the top of his range.
0: Why does that make your? How does that make the argument for you? Because we're not saying he has Ace Ten.
1: We're talking about his range and what we can get him to fold. And if Ace Ten is close to the top of his range, his range is pretty weak, and we can get him to fold more frequently.
0: I disagree. He knows his range. He knows what his range is. He's going to call with, with the right percentage of it. Ace is like never going to fold, I think, because it's near the top of his range. You're talking about trying to target a hand that I think you have no chance of folding, is my point.
1: Well, like, I don't do think he's going to fold out that hand. That might be the bottom of Greenwood's range. He has ace-king. Maybe he... I know. As
0: it turns out, it turns out he's stronger than that. So this is really not going to work now, but fair enough. That's maybe, not what we're talking maybe
1: about. Maybe about. he's only calling with ace-king and sets on the flop, you know?
0: With ace-king and what? Sets? Sets. Um, well then we can put, maybe we should keep firing to get him off face King. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Is that a great idea? It sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to fire as I pick up equity and I don't want to fire when I don't on this board personally. Um, also we have a diamond in our hand. So we block some diamond draws. Like we block some of the stuff we'd want him to have really. Um, I don't know.
1: Well, not anymore. Cause it is the three of diamonds on the turn. So we did pick up equity and now we block something that we don't want him to have.
0: Hmm. So that's good news. Yes, that's, the, that's a card I would want to continue on, for sure.
1: Greenwood's going to check. Do you see any argument for doing anything but checking on this card?
0: No. No. <laughs> this feels yes. like... I mean, sometimes we're, sometimes we're way behind now, right? Sometimes we're drawing dead, so...
1: That's the main card that
0: Greenwood was looking to avoid is a diamond, I think. Uh, yeah, I agree.
1: He probably wanted, like, no queen, no jack, no diamond. Those are yeah, main. I think uh,
0: the queen was the other really, really bad card, right? Yeah, but yeah, I agree with you.
1: He checks. So Adams is going to keep betting now, but he's going to go pretty small. It's interesting. It's like he thinks Greenwood has a lot of folds here because he bets 29K into 84K.
0: That is interesting. I wonder if he's trying to set up a classic Timothy Adams overbet shove on the river because we know he loves to do that. And this is like if he bets too much, then he may feel like he's going to price in the, you know, the, the aces of the mid aces of the world by betting 29K. He can shove and get him off. Maybe he can fold out some of those aces later on. Also, depending on how the board runs out, of course.
1: Maybe maybe Adams is also thinking something along the lines of on this card, the nine ten nine eight nine seven suited type hands, pocket tens. If it's there, five six suited, five four suited, they're all going to feel compelled to fold, even though yeah. it's such a small bet.
0: I think you're right. I mean, yeah. I think that that's. That's correct. Like, it's such, a, it's such a game-changing card in some ways that if Adams has a flush, he often wouldn't bet that big, right? He doesn't need to yet. Yeah. He, could bet, uh, he might bet bigger than this to try and set up an easier shove on the river to get called. That's the only thing. He might. Like, I would size it up more than this personally because so I can make... So when I shove the river, it's a pot-sized bet. We can do that without it being an awkward size right now. I'm a little surprised he doesn't for that reason. But we know he doesn't like to make pot size bets. He likes to make 2x pot-sized bets and things like that on the river, so...
1: He does. It just brings him all the joy.
0: Yeah. So, so in some ways, as Luke Greenwood here, whether we know it or not, like, well, we know the plan is coming to fruition. We just don't know if it's going well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, Adam's bet again. He's probably going to bet this card anytime he has a diamond in his hand. He can have two diamonds, sure. Um, but, you know, like, still... <laughs> like he doesn't have to, right? Any any single diamond he's almost certainly going to continue on. He might continue with just ace queen no diamond sometimes to charge aces when he bets this small specifically. You know, like it's not so bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have to call with this hand. With ace, 100%, man. we have to call. And that is what Greenwood does. Yeah. Pot's 142k now. The river yeah. is the king of clubs.
0: I mean, this is this is easy. They I mean, want it a great card.
1: It doesn't really change anything for Greenwood unless Adams had ace nine or ace five suited, I guess, yeah, which, which is, he could have had, right, but they are unlikely holdings,
0: agreed. there aren't really any other two pair combos, huh, maybe five three suited once in a blue moon, ace three suited once in a while, there's just not much there no yeah,
1: doesn't feel like it, so it's really it doesn't really in practice change things very frequently. it just you know vaults you up a little higher in your distribution just a little bit
0: though, I mean, what it does though is it makes. Adam's aware that he's got a stronger range advantage than he did before, right? That's good for Adams. It's better for Adams than it is for us, for sure, right?
1: I mean, I guess now that now if Adams had Ace-King, he would beat any two pairs that Luke Greenwood would have played this way, which doesn't feel like really there's any. Like, what are they?
0: Um... The best I can come up with is like, yeah, the ace-five suitors of the world that he decided to come. There's, there's really not, it's really not a two-pair situation. Yeah, I And
1: agree. you wouldn't really expect Adams to bet two kings on the flop and the turn that frequently.
0: He bets so small on the turn, maybe he can have two kings with the king of diamonds. Maybe. 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 I wouldn't expect it, but it's not impossible, right? where He's like yeah. trying to control the size of the pot right now so he has an easy check back on the river when called without having to call a bigger bet. And if the diamond comes, he gets to bet big. Something like that. It's not impossible.
1: I guess that, that could be it. Anyway, Greenwood's gonna check. Do you find an argument for leading here, like bet folding?
0: Not against this opponent. No way. This opponent is bluffy and bets huge. So and, and thinks he has a range advantage and does have a range advantage, in fact, over us. Like I don't know why. And and if he has dimes, like if we bet, we may take away his ability to bluff. And, or he may bluff it for bet folding a hand this good. It, it the whole thing seems like the wrong opponent to do against. Like I want to do it against the guy who's face up and is never bluffing here. Then I can bet fold comfortably or almost never bluffing. I agree. So it feels like a yeah, super straightforward check and I'm checking, hoping he makes some crazy bet personally. That's what I'm going to do. And then, and then hope I win. Hope he doesn't have Kings or aces or nines or fives or diamonds, you know, like whatever. That's well, it.
1: that's what happens. We got to yeah. check. We got Adams moving in for 254K effective.
0: And because that's what he does. That's, it's like if we were to like stab Timothy Adams and he bled and then we like got all the best scientists in the world to check his DNA, his, like his DNA would be shoved, would be overbet shoving on other DNA. I mean, that's, that's every part about him is made up with this. Like I am going to put in a massive bet at some point. Like every time we see him, that's all he does.
1: There's it's a lot easier here. and less violent ways to get blood than stabbing him. <laughs> I mean ultimately you do have to stab someone. Okay, right? but you you meant it in like the like we're stabbing him in an alley type of way,
0: not I like- mean that is really not true at all. I meant in a scientific setting setting, just you would still stab him though, and it would be sort of against his will, but but not in an alley. There would, it would it be, you know, clean. <laughs> everyone would be wearing masks and gloves. Yeah, but except that's just for Timothy the Adams. That would scare him more, by the way. <laughs> if everyone was wearing masks and gloves, you know.
1: <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, Greenwood, so, so the, this, is, this is a big bet with the pot being 142k, yep. Adams moves in for 254k. All right, first question. Is Greenwood ever beating value?
0: Great question.
1: The board is ace, nine, five, two diamonds, three of diamonds on the turn, king on the river. Greenwood has ace, king, no diamond.
0: It seems hard to believe that Adams would shove 254k with ace, nine suited. Yeah. here. I mean maybe he would or ace nine. It seems it seems like I wouldn't count on that anyway. Maybe he's got that play in him because he thinks like, well, you don't have Ace King and you don't have diamonds and blah 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 and I'm gonna do this. But it seems like very unlikely he would bet this much. So I'm gonna say no, we can't beat value.
1: I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. So then what is the value?
0: The value is mostly diamonds, I think. I don't I don't know. Are um are sets gonna shove here?
1: I think sets have to shove here. If you're Timothy Adams
0: to get called by what
1: to get called by like, you know,
0: a hero, ace, queen, ace, Jack. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little worried that Greenwood maybe has some, some diamonds in him where he's just calling and playing it passively the whole way he did. I mean, the thing is we bet so small on the turn that we, maybe we think like he's going to raise some of his diamonds when we bet small on the turn there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, because he's afraid. Like, because it looks like we're checking back two kings on the river sometimes, or something.
1: I would be inclined to raise diamonds on the turn, yeah. especially if it wasn't enough flush.
0: Especially when you're out of position, like yeah. it makes. So, so maybe you think like you can't really have diamonds. Um, so if we're gonna shove two fives and yeah. we're gonna shove pocket threes, right? Because yeah. we're, the, we're the guys who get we get a pocket threes here and play it just like this up. We could, river. yeah. Um, are we shoving ace king? Because Ace-King is one, one pip down from pocket threes. I think, I think so. We, I think so. Okay. Then we can shove Ace-9. Because we don't really think Ace-King and Ace-9 practically should play the same. They don't in this case. But you figure he almost never has Ace-King. Right? Ace-9 should be shovable, too if we can shove Ace-King. I think Ace-9 may be the bottom of it. But I think actually we, we can shove Ace- Ace-9. then. Maybe so. If we're trying to get heroed. Maybe
1: so. From Greenwood's perspective, that's two combos though
0: yes well it doesn't have to be suited it does he opened under the gun he opened queen jack off under the gun it queen doesn't jack have to off, be suited
1: queen jack off plays better at this tack depth than ace nine off for sure
0: it does but queen jack but ace nine has got the better blocker in it i mean i don't know what tim adams is doing exactly and i'm surprised he opened queen jack off also i'm not ready to say for sure he doesn't have ace nine here
1: i feel i feel like it, there's a big gap between the likelihood of of opening those hands in the in this position
0: by a good player i don't care i don't know i don't know if that's the case i mean i really wouldn't expect a queen jack off especially with coon in the big blind so i don't know where what his standards are here but either way there's some there's some amount of combos of it right so it's i'm saying it's at least possible still it wouldn't be the math even if it was in the value it would be the smallest part of the value by a lot all right so, so we can basically only beat a bluff
1: what about flushes how many flushes do you think adam's can have
0: uh, well, let's take a look at the board So he can have King X of Diamonds Probably down to King 10 only, right? Yes He can have Queen X of Diamonds, but only down to Queen 10 He can yeah. have Jack 10 of Diamonds He can have other suited connector Diamonds, though, for sure six right? seven seven eight Yep 6-8, maybe I don't think he's opening 6-8 suited under the gun I don't think so, but we don't know We don't know I would, I would be more inclined to eliminate. That's probably it, right? So maybe it's something like seven combos of diamonds. Yeah, seven to eight. Maybe it's a little bit more. Maybe it's eight or nine. Ten yeah. at most, something like that. Yeah. And okay. then,
1: so the bluffs, if we're going to decide his bluffs the way that you were deciding what he's continuing on the turn, yeah, it would be anything with one diamond in it that doesn't have an ace, right? And probably doesn't have a king either. Right. Although the king might decide it's not good enough and, and go for it,
0: the king might decide to get him off the weak ace. Um, do we, do we might, know but it opening, might not. Do we know he's he
1: opening queen jack off? Like, I wonder if we know he's opening queen jack off as Luke.
0: I would assume Luke knows things like that. He, I assume he's talking to Sam about it. I assume he's paying attention. I don't really know. Let's do pretend we, we know. Do we
1: think this is the bottom of the unsuited connectors? Like, is he opening jack ten off?
0: Got me, man. I mean, I would
1: guess no. I would guess no,
0: right? Right, but if we saw king queen suited here instead, we would say, well, obviously he doesn't have queen jack off. We don't think it's queen jack off, right? We would. So we would it's probably hard say to that. know. Yeah. So so it's a little hard to know where the line is. But I would. I agree with you. My inclination is to say he doesn't have jack ten off here. But I don't know.
1: I mean, I think that's a big commentarial difference. Like if he does have jack ten off and he's continuing on any jack or ten of diamonds combo of that, then it makes this like a pretty easy call. If we then include all of the better hands that include one diamond also.
0: Hmm. The thing is, if we think he's capable of doing this with the King of Diamonds, which is in some ways, the, it's the nut blocker, right? Yeah. So you, it might be like a just-in-case shove where it's like, if you have an ace, I'm going to get you to fold it because yeah. I'm going to win this pot. The pot's kind of bigish now. It's got 142k in it. Why would I let you have it? It's got 70 blinds. I'm going to take it. I've got the King of Diamonds. Well, what can you do? Like, You just don't have very many combos of diamonds there, and everything else pretty much has to fold.
1: Yeah, So, yeah, I think everything that we've said so far leads me to think that Luke should be calling here.
0: Yeah. Also, you and I know, because we've seen this guy play, that he's absolutely capable of this being a bluff. And if anything, from what I've seen, it is weighted toward bluffs when he makes this overbet shove.
1: We've actually only ever seen him bluff when he overbet shoves. I'm sure he's more balanced than that.
0: I've seen it at least once. Maybe it wasn't in a hand we've done where he did it for value. I did see one big overbet for value on the river, and I was really glad, actually, because... It's like, thank God, finally. But I think something like, yeah, like I've seen this like seven times from him or something, and every other one has been a bluff. So if it was me, I would always be calling in these spots. Like, not just with Ace King. That's that feels pretty easy. Um, with a lot worse hand. If I had Ace 10 here, I'm calling.
1: Yeah, and this is where the player matters a lot because. In most cases, if I'm in the exact spot that Luke Greenwood's in against a player who I know cares about the money in the tournament and, like, isn't just messing around, I'm Mm -hmm. leaning towards folding here a lot of the time. But this is Timothy Adams, and as we know, he's very capable of this being a bluff.
0: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I feel like what I see all the time, whenever we watch these Timothy Adams bluffs, is it's like he always gets called. (laughs) It seems maybe it's because of the, because we're doing the hands for the breakdown, but he's always called and it feels like he's, he's the guy who like blows up his tournament a lot with these big overbet bluffs. And I'm not saying that they aren't effective. He, they must be somewhat effective because he keeps doing it. But like we've given him all this rope for a reason, right? One of the reasons is that he's capable of making this exact play. And so few players are like, this is such a dream.
1: <laughs> well, it's turning into a nightmare because Luke Greenwood folds. Yeah, I know. He let's it go, does not cash in the tournament. Guess who wins?
0: Timothy Adams. Timothy
1: Adams finally not getting second place in a tournament, getting first.
0: He finally got someone to fold on one of these big overhead shoves. <laughs> he did it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but a lot, of, a lot of good stuff had to happen after this, too, because there's still yes. you know, 14 players or something left to beat, and he did win for $3.6 million. So that's I mean, pretty-
0: that, that's awesome. Why do you think Luke folded it's just the it just because it was too. It was like the money was too big, and it was the tournament. The spot was too big, or the overbet nature of the of the thing. He is not as aware of Timothy Adams as we are in terms of his moves. What do you think? Maybe. What do you think happened? Maybe something like that. It's 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 too bad. It's like especially when you river the king. I know in some ways it shouldn't matter. That king doesn't actually change anything. Like you're saying, almost ever for us. Like now we're beating Ace Nine, and that's like the only hand for value that'll shove. Mm-hmm. But we also, I mean, we move up in our, uh, in our distribution a bit, right? Yeah. It's not so bad. Maybe we're concerned that we're just like chopping or losing too often. But I just, I just think against him, Adams, we're just not. We're just, we're just, we just have to call.
1: Well, it's a good thing for Tim that he got that through because that's a $3.6 million difference most of the time. He didn't start with that many more chips than Greenwood. He started with... Like 60K more than
0: Greenwood. He would have had. His, he would have been down to 12 blinds. Of, and I got to believe, like, so many players in this tournament are going to make that call with Ace King against Tim Adams, yeah. too. Like, Tim Adams is really lucky that he was up against Luke Greenwood there.
1: That's one of the biggest hands of Tim Adams' career right there.
0: Yeah, he's got to look at that when he watches it on TV or whatever, and just be like, I don't even know, man. That's crazy that that worked. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And how happy am I that that worked? That's what like, I was trying to get him to fold like ace seven suited, <laughs> you know, ace eight suited over here. Like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> Top two.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes you live a charmed day or two. Yeah. And Adam's that, lived a no charmed doubt. couple days there.
0: Yeah. I Good would thing. say most of the tournaments that I've won, the bigger tournaments anyway, where it's like, you know, a few hundred people at least, like someone's made a, a kind of an absurd fold to me at some somewhere along the way.